Jonah 1, verses 1 through 3. Now the word of the Lord came to Jonah, the son of Amittai, saying, Arise, go to Nineveh, that great city, and call out against it, for their evil has come up before me. But Jonah rose to flee to Tarshish from the presence of the Lord. He went down to Joppa and found a ship going to Tarshish. So he paid the fare and went down into it to go with him to Tarshish, away from the presence of the Lord. Jonah 4, verses 1 and 2. But it displeased Jonah exceedingly, and he was angry. And he prayed to the Lord and said, O Lord, is not this what I said when I was yet in my country? That is why I made haste to flee to Tarshish. For I knew that you are a gracious God and merciful, slow to anger and abounding in steadfast love and relenting from disaster. Hey everybody, good morning and uh, welcome to Christ Community Chapel. Uh, really, really glad that you're here. Thanks. Thanks for coming. Uh, welcome those of you at our East service, those of you who are tuning in online. Uh, welcome. Well, we uh, started a new series this week. We uh, finished up the 10-week series that we had been in, the Gospel of John, last week, and that culminated, kind of the icing on the cake, was the, the worship night we had last Sunday evening. What a great, great way to finish up 10 weeks of looking at who Jesus is and what Jesus has done for us. If you missed it, sorry, it was awesome, really good. Well, we kick off this new series, we, we believe there's a basic rhythm to the Christian life, a basic rhythm to our church, like breathing, uh, breathing in, breathing out, inhaling, exhaling. If all you do is inhale, you will not live very long. If all you do is exhale, you will not survive. So we need both. For us, inhaling in the Christian life is bringing in the goodness of God, the love of God, the, the wisdom of God, right? And then breathing out is living out the truth of God, the love of God, the grace of God in our relationships with other people, in our community, and in our world, right? Breathing in, breathing out. Uh, this is our Breathing Out series. We're going to spend four weeks in the book of Jonah. All right, so uh, you can start, if you have your Bibles, you can start to try to find Jonah right now. It's a tiny book, and it's tucked in on what are called the minor prophets. They're called the minor prophets not because they're less important, but because they're small. Joel, Amos, Obadiah, Jonah, Micah, Nahum, Habakkuk, they're right, it's right in there. All right, if you have, uh, are here in the sanctuary, there are pew Bibles uh, or over in East Hall. There were pew Bibles when you walked in or our Bibles. You can grab one of those, and it's on page 726, page 726. All right, a lot of you are familiar with the story of Jonah, at least on the surface, uh, but I have found that the story of Jonah is deeper, uh, more complex, and more meaningful every time I study it. All right, let me go ahead and give you a brief synopsis of the story, and then we'll get into what I want to talk about today, All right? Uh, Jonah was a prophet, which means that he spoke on behalf of God. And the book of Jonah begins with God giving Jonah 
a message for Nineveh. Nineveh was the capital of Assyria. The Assyrians were arch enemies of Israel. So uh, Jonah didn't want to go. So he goes down to the port of Joppa and he buys a ticket for not Nineveh, right? That's all he wants. But he ends up buying a ticket for Tarshish. If uh, Nineveh is this way, Tarshish is this way. And so he gets on the boat, heads toward Tarshish, and then there's, uh, God sends a big storm. The storm is so fierce that Jonah has to come clean with the other sailors and tell them that he's the problem. And they take him, they throw him overboard. God appoints this huge fish that goes and swallows Jonah. Jonah is in the belly of this fish for three days. And while he's there, he has this, you know, come to Jesus moment. He gets uh, vomited back up on shore. He goes to Nineveh, he preaches, and they respond like crazy. And it really ticks Jonah off. And the story ends with uh, Jonah sulking and God asking Jonah a rhetorical question. This is the last verse of the story. God says, And should not I pity Nineveh, that great city, in which there are more than 120,000 persons who do not know their right hand from their left, and also much cattle? That's the end of the story. It's a fascinating story. It's a story that Jesus actually compares his own experience to, where Jesus talks about being thrown into a storm to save other people, right? What you need to know is this, that with Jonah, it seems like the big fish grabs the headlines, right? I mean, everybody, when they think of Jonah, they think of the big fish. The big fish is actually a minor part of the story, but it can be a sticking point because I've had people come up to me and they, they ridicule uh, my belief in the Bible, and they use Jonah as an example. They said, do you really believe that uh, Jonah was swallowed by a big fish and he lived in that fish for three days, right? And they say it like I still believe in Santa, right? But that's not the hardest part of the story for me to believe. Uh, the hardest part of the story for me to believe really is the first verse. Uh, the first verse says, the Lord God spoke to Jonah. The word of the Lord came to Jonah. This is what I mean. If there is a God, and I believe there is, he's bigger than the universe, right? That just makes sense. And the universe is huge, 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 right? So big that our galaxy, the Milky Way, is a speck, just a tiny speck in the universe. And the earth is a tiny speck in our galaxy. And then Jonah is a tiny speck on the earth. So he's a speck on a speck on a speck. And the God of the universe speaks to Jonah. And when the God of the universe speaks to Jonah, to keep, him from, to keep from blowing him to smithereens, God has to use his indoor voice, right? He has to go, uh, Jonah, I want you to do this, right? Jonah, instead of doing it, he runs away. How hard is it? for the God of the universe to send another slightly bigger speck to bring that speck back, right? I, I think people get hung up on the wrong things. That's just extra, all right? I just threw that in. All right, so we are uh, gonna spend time on the first three verses of Jonah chapter one and the first two verses of Jonah chapter four. 
It's what it says. I know it was read to us, but let me just read it again. It says, Now the word of the Lord came to Jonah, son of Amittai, saying, Arise, go to Nineveh, that great city, and call out against it, for the evil has come up before me. But Jonah rose to flee to Tarshish from the presence of the Lord. He went down to Joppa and found a ship going to Tarshish. So he paid the fare and went down into it to go with him to Tarshish, away from the presence of the Lord. Then chapter 4. This is after the big revival in Nineveh. And it says, But it displeased Jonah exceedingly, and he was angry. And he prayed to the Lord and said, O Lord, is this not what I said when I was in my country? That is why I made haste to flee to Tarshish, for I knew that you are a gracious God and merciful, slow to anger and abounding in steadfast love and relenting from disaster. All right, here are my three points. I always have three points if you're new. And part of that is just so you know where I'm going. I want to talk about who, G- who Jonah is, what Jonah does, and how God responds. That's it. Who Jonah is, what Jonah does, and then how God responds. First, who Jonah is. In some ways, the, the story of Jonah is a very simple story. It's a story about a man who runs from God, and God goes after him. It is the gospel, the good news, which is the point of the entire Bible. It is the gospel writ large in a concrete kind of drama of how sin and grace plays out because the gospel is our sin and God's grace, right? Sin in its most basic definition is running away from God. Sin in its most basic definition, running away from God. Grace in its most basic definition is God in his love pursuing us even though we run. Sin and grace, running and chasing. Listen, the first step in you understanding what the Bible is all about, your first step in really understanding what a real relationship with God is like is to admit that you have run away from God and there's still some run in you. Right? You must see yourself not primarily as a self-sufficient person, not primarily as a pretty good person, not even primarily as a hurting person. You must see yourself primarily as a fugitive whose basic instinct is to run and hide from God. And that goes way back to Genesis chapter 3, to Adam and Eve, right? Our very first parents. When they sinned against God, their first thing they did was that they ran and they hid. They ran and they hid. The most profound self-knowledge you can have is to know your particular strategy that you use to run from God, to rationalize and run from Him. And I say that because... If you never ran from God, you would be exactly like Jesus. Jesus is the only one of us who never ran from God. What happens when I read the Bible, and I'm always reading it, what I find is that God is telling me different things to do and to not do. And then whenever he does that, I have a choice. Either I obey him or I run from him. And I'll use all kinds of rationalizations as to why I will run from him. 
So in answer to the first question, who is Jonah? My answer is Jonah is you. Jonah is me. Jonah is every one of us. That's who Jonah is. And uh, maybe as you hear my second point, it'll help you uh, see it more clearly. And my second point is what Jonah does. So the book opens up in verse 1 and 2, and it says, Now the word of the Lord came to Jonah, son of Amittai, saying, Arise, go to Nineveh, that great city, and call out against it, for their evil has come up before me. So God gives orders to Jonah, go to Nineveh and preach. Now, to be fair to Jonah, that's pretty tough. That was hard for him to do. I mean, Nineveh was the capital of Assyria. Assyria were the arch enemies. They hated the Jews. Very anti-Semitic. Right? And Jews, in turn, hated the Assyrians. They had been on the receiving end. Assyria was, was known for their cruelty. Israel had been on the receiving end of that cruelty many, many times. Right? So let me uh, have you do this. I want you to think of the person that has caused you the most pain. Okay? Just think of them. The person that maybe has done the most un- injustice to you, the one that when they come to mind, you feel the inside, your insides kind of cramp up. You got that? All right, now you're feeling a little bit like Jonah. All right, and God says to Jonah, you know your arch enemies. You know the ones that hate you, that you hate, that have done so much damage. I have plans for your enemy. And if you're Jonah, you think, yes, finally, My enemies are going to get what they deserve. And instead, God says, I have plans for your enemies, plans for their welfare, not for calamity, to give them a future and a hope. That's Jeremiah. That's a verse we love in Jeremiah, and we apply it to ourselves. God says, I know the plans I have for you, says the Lord God Almighty, plans for your welfare, not for calamity, to give you a future and a hope. God says that to Jonah about his enemies. And Jonah says, I don't want anything to do with that. Right? God gives Jonah very little information, by the way. If you notice, verse 2, that's it. Go to Nineveh, preach. Doesn't tell him what to preach, doesn't tell him what's going to happen, doesn't tell him why. And I want you to know, that is God's normal MO with his foot soldiers. He doesn't give you all the information you would like to have. He says, trust me, do this. At the end of the Gospels, uh, Jesus says to to the disciples, go into every nation, preach this gospel. Make disciples, teach them everything that I've commanded you, and lo, I'm with you always. That's it. He doesn't tell them where to start, how to finance it, or what to do with language and culture differences. He just says, go. Go and start telling. So don't expect... God to always answer all the why questions. But what happens to Jonah is that Jonah says, you know what? I don't want to do it. So Jonah disobeys. There are two parts to Jonah's disobedience. There's an inside part and an outside part. Right? The outside part is that Jonah runs. He decides he goes down to Joppa. He gets in his head that he wants to go to Tarshish, which, which is the opposite direction of Nineveh. And he goes down to the port to Joppa. And sure enough, There's a boat going to Tarshish. Listen, you should know this. Whenever you want to disobey God, there is always a boat who will take you there. There's always a boat 
to Tarshish. Always, always. Right? That's one thing. The second thing is when he gets in the boat, it says in verse 5 that he goes below deck and he falls asleep. And what Jonah seems like he's thinking is so far so good. Right? My plan worked. I wanted to run away from God. I did. Everything's okay now. What he didn't know was that a storm was coming. You know, a lot of people, I think a lot of us think that sin is, um, is fast acting. Like, like the consequences for sin happen immediately, and they don't. Sin is not a bullet. It's more like a, like a poison, like a, like a slow-acting poison. There are some of you right now that are disobeying God, and you know you are, and you think, well, everything's going okay. I mean, my marriage is good. My family's good. My kids are good. Everything, I'm, I'm okay, right? And I want you to know you're not. Sin isn't a bullet. It's a poison. Right, the, the best illustration I have is, like 25 years ago, I went on a mission trip to the Dominican Republic with a bunch of high school and college kids. We were helping to build an orphanage. And before we went, I sat them down and I, I said to them, listen, when we, when we get there, uh, I want you to, to know we'll have purified water for our team because your bodies aren't really prepared for tap water in the Dominican Republic. So, and I even warned them, don't even brush your teeth with the tap water. Brush your teeth with purified water. Don't take any chances. And so we're working, and uh, one uh, college kid named Randy, real strapping kid, great kid. Uh, it was 100 degrees out. He left, take a break. He came back, his lips were red. And I was going, hey, Randy, why are your lips red? And he goes, oh, I just had a snow cone. And I was like, hmm, really? Where'd you get a snow cone? He said, uh, a street vendor. And I was going, you know, I, I don't know what they teach at your college, but I think snow cones have a quite a bit of water in them, right? And he said to me, he goes, no, it was great. No, I'm fine. I feel great. And I was going, no, you, know, you do, but you're dead man walking, right? You don't know it. We roomed together the next morning. This is true. I woke up. He was on all fours on the floor. He looked up at me with bloodshot eyes, and he said, please kill me now. <laughs> Listen, Whatever God is doing in your life, every time that you disobey him, whether it's something that you're doing that you shouldn't be doing, that he's saying, don't do that, or you're not doing what he says to do when he says, I want you to serve, I want you to give, I want you to love, I want you to forgive, you think it's okay, but sin is not a bullet. It's a poison, and every time you disobey God, every time I disobey God, it's like I'm letting poison into my system, and I have no idea how long it's going to take or the damage it's going to cause, right? That's on the inside. But something is going on, uh, or on the outside. There's something going on on the inside of Jonah. Because when Jonah says no to God, when he says, no, I don't want to go to Nineveh, it wasn't because he was afraid like he didn't say to God, God, they're very, very dangerous people. They're very cruel people. I'm scared. That's not what he said. He, he didn't say, oh, it's, it's too big of a task. 120,000 people. I'm only one person. What kind of difference can I make? That's not what he does. The reason he didn't go to Nineveh was because he was afraid it would work. He wanted the Ninevites 
to receive judgment from God, and he was afraid they would receive grace from God. Jonah didn't go to Nineveh because he disagreed with God, which sounds like a small thing. It's a huge thing, and I'll explain that in a minute. Because when Jonah disagrees with God, the way it begins to play itself out is that Jonah hates the Ninevites. He wants them to fall under the judgment of God. And what he does, and the reason he feels safe about that is because he feels like he's much better. He's a much better person than the Ninevites. Jonah is self-righteous. Now, I heard a great definition of self-righteousness. And that self-righteousness is the deep desire we all have to feel superior to someone so we can live with ourselves. Self-righteousness is the deep desire we all have to feel superior to someone, anyone, so we can live with ourselves. The problem with self-righteousness is that it's, um, it's very sneaky. And let me, let me tell you how. Um, listen, if, if you are a really, really arrogant person. I mean, super arrogant. From the top of your head to the bottom of your feet, you are proud, proud, super, raise your hand. <laughs> Nobody's going to do that. I hope you, I, you know, whoever, if somebody raised their hand, woo, wow, good, good job. Good on you. Way to be honest. But for those of us who aren't arrogant, how do you feel about arrogant people? Right? Pick the category. How do you feel about self-absorbed people? How do you feel about lazy people, irresponsible people, closed-minded people, racist people? Listen, this is what I want. You tell me what you're not. Tell me what you're not, and I'll show you the area where you struggle with feeling better than other people. That's self-righteousness. There are only two ways to live with yourself. Self-righteousness or the gospel. Those are the only two ways. And when I say the gospel, this is why the gospel is the only alternative. The gospel says this, you are not better than anyone else. You are not better. That is, that is the beginning point of the gospel. You are not better than anyone else. But the second point is this, that God loves you so much that he sent Jesus. So you are more deeply loved than you've ever dared to dream. The gospel is the only thing, the only thing you can believe in that will make you humble and secure at the exact same time. Other than that, you're going to be always comparing yourself to someone just so you can feel okay. All right. The problem is pride always blocks your ability to get the gospel deep down, right? Pride blocks grace. So Jonah, and this is why disagreeing with God is such a big thing. God says to Jonah, listen, this is what I want to do for your enemies. I want to save them. I want, to, I want them to know my love, my grace. What Jonah says is, I disagree with that. I think I know better than you. Anytime you do that, what you do with God is this. And as soon as you do this, you are filled with pride. And the next thing you'll know 
is that you are filled with self-righteousness. Jonah is a, is a very religious man. He's a man who knows the character of God. You can hear it in chapter 4, where he's saying, you are a gracious God, you are a compassionate God, but he is missing it completely because he is drowning in self-righteousness. And that brings me to my third point, which is how God responds. How God responds. I think this book is misnamed. You know, it's called Jonah. I think it should be called uh, God Never Gives Up on Anyone, Ever. Because the book of Jonah isn't about Jonah. It's about the heart of God. And it's the heart of God, not just for the Ninevites who are far away from him. It's for Jonah who is struggling to, to keep the gospel and grace in his own heart. The fact that Jonah is still in the story in chapter 4 is just mind-blowing, isn't it? If I was God, and we could, we could all be thankful I'm not, but if I was God, this is the way the story would begin, the same way that the word of the Lord came to Jonah, go to Nineveh and preach. Jonah says no, he gets in a boat, he goes the other way. The next verse would be, and the word of the Lord came to Eric to go to Nineveh, right? Who needs Jonah? I mean, I would just be so done with Jonah. I'd be going, go, man, who cares about you? I mean, it's God. God can use anyone to reach the Ninevites. He, can, he doesn't need anyone. You know, the old adage that if you want it done right, do it yourself, right? Who, who does that fit better than God? He doesn't need Jonah. Why is Jonah still in the story? Because God loves Jonah. Right? Listen, if you're disobeying God, I want you to know God hasn't given up on you. God is pursuing you even right now. God is always doing more than one thing. That's why I have this Rubik's Cube up here. You know, I like a Rubik's Cube because every time you, you move one thing, it impacts everything else. Right? And I know there are those of you out there that know how to solve this quickly, and you're just going, let me get my hands on it. Right? <laughs> Stop it. Just listen to my illustration. Right? When I say God's doing more than one thing, I mean that when he calls you to obey, he's, he's going to impact other people. But when you're impacting other people the way God wants you to, he's also doing something in your own heart. He's always doing two things. So, you know, when we show, a, we have like this giving moment, you know, every Sunday where we say, this is where your money goes. You know, a couple of weeks ago, it was the Restore uh, Addiction Recovery. You saw the story of somebody, Right? But you know, listen, when you give, that's where it goes, right? That's part of, and, and so it impacts other people. But when you give it, it doesn't just impact other people, it impacts you. Listen, if you're, not, if you're not giving, it doesn't just mean that you're not impacting others. It means that you've shut off God from you. God is after you. Every time that we hear from God and we obey him, it's like a click, a click inside of our own hearts and impacting the people around us. Every time we disobey God, then it's not just about them. It's about us. It's about you. You know, we have these huge, huge goals here at CCC for the next 30 years, right? By the year 2050, everyone, every community, everywhere. By the year 2050, our goal is that everyone within a 10-mile radius 
of this building will have a, a Christ-following friend. What we're saying is that we want everybody to be, be able to see Jesus in another person. So they're attracted to Jesus because of you. It means every time you are trying to form a friendship, trying to go out of your way to get out of your little circle, you're obeying. It's a click. It's a click. Every community just showed the grove. We want to plant 60 churches in the next 30 years in Northeast Ohio because, because we want every community to have a, a church where somebody can go to and hear the gospel, this good news, that even though they are sinners, they are loved and there is grace because of Jesus. And then we want to give $30 million away to global missions so that everyone will have a voice somewhere. Listen, we need you but you need this. We didn't do this just for them. The goals are for you. Because every time you move, every time you obey, every time you say yes to God, there's a click. There's a click. Not just for them, but for your heart. Every time God calls you to obey, you have two options. One is to obey him. The other is to run from him. And I know there's a Jonah in all of us, but I call you today to take whatever God is saying to you right now. Take that one step and say, I will obey you. I will run toward you for love of you. Would you pray with me? Lord Jesus, we come to you, and I'm so grateful. I'm grateful for uh, the book of Jonah. I am uh, sometimes stunned uh, when I read uh, the Bible and I see myself uh, in a character that I would rather not see myself in. I pray for all of us. I know that all of us struggle at different times to obey you in different ways, but I am, uh, I am amazed that you call us to obedience because of your deep love. And then you can use us to impact other people. I pray that you'd do that. Thanks for every person here. I pray that you would draw them to yourself uh, closer than uh, when they walked in. Thanks. We pray this in your name. Amen.